This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, you're listening to a bonus episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, where we're discussing M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin. I'm Tim Ifland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. Now, in Knock at the Cabin, a young girl and her parents are taken hostage at a remote cabin by four armed strangers who demand the family make an unthinkable choice to avert the apocalypse. With time running out, they must decide what they believe. Knock at the Cabin is directed by M. Night Shyamalan from a screenplay by Shyamalan, Steve Desmond and Michael Sherman based on the book The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay. Knock at the Cabin stars David Bautista, the artist formerly known as Dave Bautista, (laughs) uh, Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, Nikki Amuka Bird, Kristen Cooey, Abby Quinn and Rupert Grint. That's right. We've got Ron Weasley in this film (laughs) randomly. Going to follow him around forever. He probably hates it. <laughs> Ron Weasley. <laughs> Remember that YouTube video? Anyway, I digress. Now, Tim, I'm really excited to talk to you about this film. Okay. Because the idea of an M. Night movie is always thrilling. He picks such interesting stories to tell or adapt. He does. He always has a really fucking great premise in the palm of his hand and you just don't know which way it's going to (laughs) go. Exactly. So what eventuates in this film, Tim? 
not a great movie. Okay. <laughs> well, okay, what about you? Well, yeah, look, the idea is compelling. It mm. always is, as you said, with an M. Night film. This yeah. one is a modern-day biblical story. Which is always fun. We always like playing fun. in yeah. biblical stories. So let's set the scene, okay? Mm. The opening credits roll over some disturbing drawings that are doodled over, like, children's homework, bills, etc. Yeah. What did you think about that? Well, I mean, it just made it blatantly obvious that we're going to a dark place of apocalyptic madness. It sets the tone, it? Doesn't does it? set the tone, yeah. I don't know what the relevance was to the whole film. You know, this is a spoiler-free episode, but it never resurfaces in any way. No, it was foreboding. So the film opens and there's an eight-year-old girl in the woods collecting grasshoppers and yep. making little notes about them. Very sweet. That actually reminded me of shit that I used to do when I was a kid too, where I'd just like cut pictures out of magazines and write profiles on actors <laughs> really? that were already written in the magazine, but I had to write my own one in a notebook. And of course. Did you use different coloured gel pens? Yes. I found that so cute. It was really cool. Yeah, gorgeous. And then suddenly an imposing Dave Batista or David. David. He wants to be called David yep. now, Lee. Emerges from the woods and the little girl runs and alerts her fathers that there are some people outside that are a bit scary. His name's Leonard. So they even, they're even <laughs> acquaintances. And he helps collect these grasshoppers. Yes. What an unsettling opening. Like, it did hook me there. Well, this is where one of the strange things comes into play where she convinces her fathers that there's some scary stuff outside. They need to lock up the house. Mm-hmm. And they don't go into overprotective mode. Yeah. This is one thing I want to talk about later with the characters and the performances and things. Yeah. I mean, she's a very independent little eight-year-old. Yeah. This when. She's great. But she's the one running around locking the windows and doors and the dads are kind of like locking the windows and doors. Like they catch on eventually. Mm. I don't have children, but I would imagine as a parent, your first instinct would be very protective of the daughter and grab her and keep her close to you. But she's running from room to room and open window and open door and it's like... Yeah. (laughs) I found it really strange and jarring. But but that sort of weird way or lack thereof protecting their daughter does continue yes through the film we'll talk about that a bit more but yes they're not very affectionate towards her which i found was quite strange not very protective despite the situation they find themselves in where they're literally taken hostage by four strangers in their airbnb she's just kind of there yeah after that point do you know what maybe this is jumping the gun here but I found the use of her at the beginning really intriguing. I thought we're going to get a lot of this character, this girl. Mm. She's a great little actress. It's her feature film debut, actually, which is really exciting. And then she becomes a footnote for the rest of the movie. She does. I thought that was a real, real mistake. Except in flashbacks where they're really having a great time together. When you see the three of them together heading up to the cabin, it's actually a really beautiful family moment. And you can feel the love. You can feel the joy. You can feel the connection between all three of them. Mm. You do not feel that in any way, shape or form in the modern time. No. Not once. It's a bit strange. Yeah. So, okay, and also the story explores that this family has to make a horrible decision. Yeah. Okay, to avert the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. We're not going to spoil all the twists and turns. This is an M. Night film, so there is definitely a big twist. Is there, though? We'll get to that. <laughs> but why this family? Why a family? You get the sense that the story wants to say something profound about religion and same-sex marriage and all that kind of jazz, mm-hmm. but it's too afraid of itself to go there. But when it tries to, it's so surface level. Yes. It's almost like, why did that even need to be in there? There's just these vague allusions to those kind of themes. And then it throws a few token bits of dialogue that way and goes, that'll do. 
Yeah. We, we addressed the religion intersecting with homosexuality. There you go. Yeah. That's so true. That, I found that really frustrating. See, this is where Shyamalan, he's got a great premise on a silver platter and then he tries to be too clever, but he ends up just being clunky with it. Okay, well, the thing is, this is based on a book, right? Yeah. A really good book that's very popular. The story is already there, yeah. mate. <laughs> but M. Night rewrote the book for the story. So from about halfway on, it goes in a completely entirely different direction to the book. Do you know where the direction of the book goes out of interest? No, but just halfway through it completely changes Mm. and so the rules of what's happening are a little complicated and unclear i don't know if that's in the book or not Mm. why do things have to happen at certain times and then that time speeds up but then there's also no consistency to when things have to happen at certain times according to the Mm. the four people who come to yeah tell them they've got a big decision to make yeah and every time they say no i think we can say this every time they say no something really bad is going to happen to humanity Mm. Okay, so that happens a few times during the film. Yeah, in the most convenient, Uh, clunky way imaginable. So the big question here at the heart of it, though, in the story is, what would you do if you had to save humanity or your family if you had to choose? What would you do, Tim, right now? Well, fuck, I wouldn't do it like (laughs) these people would. I'd at least have a normal human conversation about it. I'd inquire a little bit more than they do. Yeah. I wouldn't believe that what they're telling me is true. Which is, yeah. Because how it plays out is so unbelievable that you'd just be like, all right, bye. It is an unbelievable situation. And how they handle trying to convince them I think was quite good. Like these four people don't want to be there putting this family in this situation. Mm. That's very clear. They're quite nice-ish people. Unsettlingly nice. Yeah, they're very sorry to be there. They don't want to be doing what they're doing. But the story never ever explains why these people, why... I think that's the point. I think M. Night likes to do that, that Mm. he wants the audience to interpret the nuances of the story in their own way and use their imagination to get to the end point, I guess. But see, I wouldn't even say that this story had nuances to it. Okay. It just had annoyances. (laughs) (laughs) I will say this. It's a tight one hour and 40 minutes. But it felt like it went for three. Okay, not not to me. Because nothing changed. Right. Like there was nothing compelling about how it played out. It was just the same shit over and over again. I found the pacing quite good and I was engaged for most of it. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what? My eyes hurt at the end because they just relished in (laughs) close-ups. And I I couldn't adjust my eyes. Like they were about to explode out of my head. And that was one way to build the tension. Definitely extreme close-ups all the time. Oh, God. So an M. Night film, as we said, is all about the twist, which we're not going to spoil here. And one thing that happens because there is so much importance placed on that twist is that he tends to avoid weaving in the foundations of character understanding throughout Mm. to avoid revealing the twist too early. So he keeps everything hidden right up until the last possible moment. But what that results in is this crazy leap of logic that one of the characters has where all of a sudden you have to wrap up the reveal really quickly and this character suddenly comes to this epiphany of what's going on and I was like how the hell did you get to that do you know what I'm talking about I fucking do (laughs) Jesus I was like mate where did you pull that one from? That stuff is so painful to me. Like, you can't forgive that stuff. Like, fair enough. You don't want to reveal what's happening to the audience. 
But the character has to have some kind of crumbs dropped to be able to come to that conclusion. I completely agree. Now, I don't think this is uh, spoiler territory, but the four strangers, they themselves didn't even know each other mm-hmm. until they basically rocked up at the cabin. And I just found that to be just the most bizarre thing. See, I didn't mind that, but then they didn't explore or drop any breadcrumbs as to who they are was who they are. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yes, yes. The big twist at the end is obviously you find out who these four people are and why they're there. Yeah. But I didn't understand the why of it. Yeah. The why was so lost. And I had a real issue with the story in that it told without showing so much. The right. whole thing about show, don't tell, show, don't tell, show, don't tell. They kept tell, 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 and everything they told made no sense. Uh, there's one <laughs> – sorry. There's one point I'm going to make later that is the complete opposite of that. <laughs> I'm like, they really shouldn't have shown that. Uh, we'll get to that. Okay. I'm excited. The film just doesn't stick the landing. That's the long and the That's short it. of it. Mm-hmm. I do want to laugh, though, at the director cameo. <laughs> that was quite funny. It was my favourite that he's ever done. Yeah, so he pops <laughs> up in an air fryer commercial on a home shopping network. <laughs> yeah, so good. Which is quite good. Yeah, M. Night Shyamalan always injects himself in some cameo bit role in all his movies. This is my favourite. Let's talk about the casting and the performances. Okay, because the casting I actually really enjoyed. Mm. I think they've chosen all the right actors for the roles. Sure. Even David Batista. David Batista. Because he is playing a meek second grade teacher and honestly who the hell's going to believe that <laughs> it's like let's just throw a pair of glasses on him do his shirt button right up to the neck and um that'll do it it's like if thor decided to be a synchronized swimming instructor it's hard for someone like david batista to not be scary especially in a movie like this but i think that was kind of the point yes. that he needed to have those two levels he was a meek second grade teacher but mm. he's also there doing this really intimidating scary thing and he doesn't mm. want to be yeah and batista has commented on how difficult it is for him to break into other roles because of his size and look and i'm sure it does make it difficult but that's acting and other people have done it so Mm. you know people like Arnold Schwarzenegger Dwayne Johnson they can play against type doesn't happen all that often but they Mm. they do it they can show range and absolutely so can he I am really impressed by David Batista's performance yes I loved his delivery of his measured and calm language it was really unexpected yeah. to what we've seen before. And he's an actor that really wants to challenge himself in how yeah. he shows up in movies. I'm excited to see him take on more roles yeah. like this. And you can see that here. He was absolutely the right person for the role, even though it seems a bit strange. Mm. Because, as I said, all four are so timid and sorry to have to be there doing what they're doing. But it's an intimidating situation. And so you need someone who can be really intimidating. That's right. I think from a writing perspective where they did get that right was his encounter with the girl at the beginning of the film yeah because he does come across as tender and calm and all those sorts of things if you didn't have that scene then it would have been hard to believe but he's just emerged from the forest with a weapon Uh oh (laughs) (laughs) jonathan groff and ben aldridge play Mm. a couple they play the fathers of when with opposing views on humanity and religion yes so they're black and white they're very black and white. Uh, I'm going to say this. They had no chemistry. <gasps> Zero. 
I was going to say their chemistry was really easy and wonderful. Oh, they annoyed the shit out of me. Right. Yep. I think their chemistry was quite easygoing and relaxed. I believed it. But I, like I said before, I did find it really odd how they interacted with the child for most of the time during the hostage situation. Yep. There's not a lot of affection or reassurance for her. She's eight years old, for God's sake. Yeah. In this terrifying situation... She kept throwing her hands around Jonathan Groff's neck. And then there was kind of moments where he was like, it's okay, it's okay. But like there was no, come, oh, come here, sweetie, stay near me, stay near me. Like, I don't know. I just didn't believe it. Yeah. I didn't believe it. It was a no. bit clinical. Yeah. Except for the flashbacks, as I said. And everyone in this hostage situation was so stilted and stiff. Mm-hmm. Like that was obviously a creative choice, but why? Well, I mean, they're stilted and stiff in many ways. I think where they really made a mistake in terms of, for, for me, I know you th- you like the tension and the pacing and everything, mm. but they were literally confined to chairs the entire movie. And, yeah. and I, I found that a really dumb choice because it didn't allow the action to take on another yeah. layer to it. It was a missed opportunity to let them actually engage in the fucking space. Yeah, except when they do, there is a moment when they do engage in the space later on, which is mm. completely pointless set of scenes. Yeah, it, it's so pointless. You know what I'm talking yes. about, don't you? Okay. Oh God. We do want to talk about Kristen Cooey just quickly who plays Little Wen. As you said, it's her film debut. I think she was wonderful. She's yeah. so self-assured to watch. I wish she had more to do. Me too. Yeah. I, I don't understand why she was shafted to a, a bit player in this because you have a child, you have a lot of emotion you can lean on, mm-hmm. you can lean into how parents protect their kid or, you know, make mistakes and put them in danger. I don't feel like there was any of that playing out Mm. here, which was a a missed beat. Just quickly, we've also got the other three members of the intruding party, Mm. Mickey Amuka Bird, who worked with M. Night on Old. Oh, I thought I'd recognised her from somewhere. Yeah, she plays Sabrina, a nurse who's joined this foursome in their quest to stop the apocalypse or bring Mm. on the apocalypse, whatever you want (laughs) to decide. Yeah. Rupert Grint, who plays Redman, he's a bit of a redneck. Redman the redneck. Uh, he's a bit vicious and also uncomfortable with the events that are going on. Doesn't really want to be there. He's super paranoid. Super paranoid. Mm. Um, and then Abby Quinn as Adriana, who is questioning her own morals and why she's there. And Yeah, I think what lacks between those four is their character development in a way to protect mm. the twist, quote-unquote twist at the end. Yeah. They really awkwardly introduced themselves and who they are. and <laughs> I do, well, yeah. Okay, look, that was a bit odd, but I can understand why they did that. And I liked the push and pull of them being regular people having to do something that they really don't want to do and being put in this situation. It was I, I mm. enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, I guess the, what they're grappling with themselves mm. as well as what the, the couple have to yeah. grapple with too. Let's talk about the set and the cinematography and the sound for a second. Mm. So a full-size cabin was built to film this in New Jersey. I mean, that saves money, I guess, if you're in one location for most of the yeah, time. Yeah, And it was actually shot with one camera for most of the time. Really? Which was interesting because it resulted in a lot of long takes and, as you said, extreme close-ups. Oh, my God. So most of the first section of the film is actually just one close-up after another, which I think lends a foreboding feeling and intensity of what's to come. So I didn't mind. It felt very Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, sure. I mean, God, I can't believe you just put Alfred Hitchcock into <laughs> next to this I think movie. that's what they were aiming for. I know what for. you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> Look, I think that sort of creative choice – works if you don't 
labor on it for the entire movie. Right. We use it effectively, sparingly. It's just just because, oh, we, we got to do a close-up because it creates tension. Yeah, but if you stay in that place the entire time, you're going to give, pointing at myself, <laughs> your audience a headache. I was blinking. Can I adjust? Where am I? The twilight zone? I thought, <laughs> can we just pull back for a minute? Oh. And then combine that with all the heavy breathing, close-up heavy breathing. <laughs> oh, I think I actually turned to you in the movie and yes. did an impression. <laughs> did. I thought, not you too. Uh, oh, dear. Oh, dear. One creative choice I want to pull out that bugged the crap out of me. Is this what you referenced earlier? This is earlier? what I've referenced earlier. Okay. okay. So, it's, it's, a, it's a creative choice. It's a choice. There is one scene in the film where, you know, this apocalyptic thing is going to happen. A tsunami is coming. Yes. Okay. And what they've done is they've put on a news report of this tsunami and they say, we've just received some footage. (laughs) You know what I'm going to (laughs) say. Let me get it out. So they put on a news report and say, we've just obtained some footage of a tsunami that's just hit wherever it was. And they switch to that footage (laughs) and it's someone (laughs) holding a phone camera on a beach while this 50-foot wave comes at them. Okay, but that's not even the worst part, right? That's not the worst part. The worst part is when they pan to the person next to them (laughs) to get a reaction shot from the woman that's standing next to him while this giant wave is literally about to wipe them out. It's just like this weird moment where it's like, hang on, let me just document some feelings here. I'm about to die. (laughs) Let me document some feelings here for my blog, for my YouTube channel. (laughs) Exactly. But A, how did they get that footage? Thank you, Lee. (laughs) Thank you. And B, the way it was shot was ridiculous. It wasn't even shaky cam like people running away on the beach or whatever. It was this person just calmly filming this really well-framed shot and then panning to the person next to them who goes, oh, oh, oh this wave. <laughs> oh, I'm about to get wet. I mean, what that does is pull you out of the moment and I think CCTV footage would have been a hell of a lot more effective there. 100%. Well, literally realistic because like you said, how the fuck do they get that footage? That person dead. They're dead. Maybe maybe after he panned to the person next to him, he quickly texted it to the news channel. <laughs> <laughs> or threw it to higher ground. Well, actually, no, he didn't because you see the wave hitting and then it yeah. cuts out. <laughs> it cuts out. <laughs> oh, God. What an experience. It's very cinematic, but it really pulls you out of the moment. 100% could not agree with you more. <laughs> Thanks for staying with me for that story, people. <laughs> it was worth it. <laughs> All right, Lee, what do you think? Should we wrap up our take on Knock at the Cabin? All right, let's do it. Once again, I was excited by the promise of an M. Night Shyamalan film and left feeling disappointed that it didn't stick the landing after putting forth such an interesting idea and effectively built suspense. The casting was great, but the direction of those performances became too stilted to really pull the audience in. Technically, Knock at the Cabin is a really well-made film. I enjoyed the cinematography and the way it was filmed. If only the story reached the same level as that cinematography and the sets and the editing. I mean, I think the editing was quite tight. I like the way it was edited. Sure. <laughs> okay. Anyway, 
I'm giving Knock at the Cabin two and a half popcorn kernels out of five. There you go. Oh, M. Night Shyamalan, what are we going to do with you? Knock at the Cabin opens strong but becomes stuck in its tracks, repeating the same thing over and over with clunky exposition and plot developments dripping with convenience, lacking believability. The characters made me feel more compelled to offer them a paper bag to breathe into and a box of tissues instead of connecting with their plight or experience. The only consistency to M. Night is his inconsistency. So open the door at your own peril, friends. I'm going to rate Knock at the Cabin two popcorn kernels. Well, there you have it, friends. Knock at the Cabin is in Australian cinemas from February 2nd. And you know what? A lot of people really are loving this film. They're saying it's one of his best in years. Yeah, but it's his best in years because he hasn't made a good movie in years. Well, that's a bit harsh. Oh, God. Come on. Do we need to go back to our experience on old? Yeah, I didn't love that one. Oh, anyway, we're not here to talk about old. You can catch that episode in our back catalogue. All right, friends, as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. If you enjoy our episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. While you're there, we would love you to rate us and leave a review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Alexa, and where all good podcasts are found. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.